pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only. Welcome to another edition of PGA Grinders Live After Dark. I am Justin Van Zuden. I'll be hosting the show for you as usual here today. And we are one week away from the next major of the year, the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills up in Wisconsin next week. Uh, but before then, we've got the FedEx St. Jude Classic at TPC Southwind in Memphis. So one more tournament to go before a major. And as we sometimes see with the weeks right before the majors, the fields are relatively weak. We've got a pretty steep drop off, a few big names this week, but then a pretty steep drop off in the talent level. So it's tough to build those lineups this week as you get through to the mid range and low end golfers. Uh, you'll notice that there aren't the usual suspects that you like to take on the cheap. Those guys are a little more expensive this week and, and it makes lineup building a bit of a challenge, but uh, before we get into that, bring in the usual co-host, Gib Pollard, with us again tonight. And uh, Gib, how was your Memorial Week last week? Ah, uh, mate, I could uh, barely remember what I did ten hours ago, let alone uh, last weekend. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been good. It's very busy. Uh, just like Phil, uh, Phil's daughter, it's graduation week coming up here. So uh, when you do live events, there's a lot of events to do. So. Yeah, just trying to keep my head uh, above water on the work front, plus uh, some some DFS PGA. It seems late. Is it? A, is it? Is there like trimesters out there? Or I mean, most of the colleges in the Midwest here, they've been out for about two, three weeks now. Yeah, it's always really late. Um, actually, the high school here just had their graduation, and usually we have ours uh, the following week, but ours is two weeks after this, so it's even later than usual. Uh, but they they managed to cram some even more. Uh, more events in there. So, you know, last Sunday I had to uh, sort of work a, an outdoor volleyball tournament. So it was, it was fun until the rain picked up. Yeah, that's uh, outdoors in the rain. That sometimes presents a challenge for sure. Well, hopefully everything's going well with the graduation uh, lead up for you. And uh, we'll hope to maybe, maybe you can have a big week this week or next week to uh, give yourself a nice uh, boost mm -hmm. after a tough couple weeks at work. Ryan Devonshire also here with us, fresh off his Guinness World Record, as he mentioned before the show this week. Uh, how are you holding up? Pretty good. I, I rode for about 10 and a half hours yesterday. I went 58 miles down the river, and I'm, I'm not a complete wreck. I went to the hot springs this morning. I'm going to go again this evening. And, uh, yeah, life is feeling pretty good. We got the rookie raft guys graduating from their class this week, and so it's graduation week all around. Looking forward to uh, – Spending a little bit less time on the river in June. <laughs> Pass some of that, some of those duties off. Well, good to hear, and uh, glad you're in good shape and uh, in one piece after that big trip. And 
We'll get ready for the FedEx St. Jude Classic here. A week ago, the Memorial Tournament, uh, Jason Duffner also feeling pretty good this week after doing what he had done so many times this year and kind of collapsing on the weekend. To uh, He was out to a huge lead after Friday, and that lead was gone about halfway through Saturday's round. But he rallied, had a nice round on Sunday, and was able to uh, pull away from Ricky Fowler and uh, Anurban Lahiri, Matt Kuchar, Justin Thomas, you know, guys that were within uh, three or four strokes there. Uh, but Duffner ended up winning comfortably, one by three shots, and uh, probably a good feeling for him after having a few near misses so far this year. And it was pretty uh, tilting for a lot of DFS players as Duffner was the highest owned guy in the field two weeks ago, and he was like 3% owned last week and uh, ended up winning the tournament. So if you had Duffner last week, congratulations on that. I'm sure it led to a nice payday. I uh, sadly did not have uh, any Jason Duffner last week. So it wasn't a great week all around, but we'll hope to get back on track with uh, the St. Jude Classic this week and uh, and go from there. So we've got a par 70 course here at TPC Southwind. Uh, Devo, from the looks of it, you know, you'd think the week before a major, maybe a, a breather for these guys, but this isn't exactly the easiest setup on the planet. Yeah, this course is traditionally ranked the ninth most difficult on tour. It's a Par 70, 7,244 yards, 94 bunkers, 10 hazards. It's a very tight, narrow, you know, shot maker's course. I think the strokes gained approach is going to be extremely important. Tee to green seems important as well as proximity and par four scoring. I see total driving as being more relevant than accuracy or distance. This course basically features a whole bunch of long par fours. Yeah, lots of long par fours here. Uh, really good for strokes gained approach guys. Uh, you'll see a lot of guys missing some of the greens when they're coming in from longer out. So it tends to be a good scramblers course as well. Uh, not necessarily a distance course with it being a par 70 and uh, all those longer par fours. So, uh, Gib, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this course, this event in general? Anything special that we have to look out for the week before a major? Um, just with the uh, proximity stat there, should we be looking more at proximity or proximity from the rough since the fairways are so hard to hit or harder than the average tour course? Um, should we be looking at proximity from the rough or proximity in general? Because proximity is just from fairway. Well, you want guys that are going to be hitting from the fairway, hopefully, but... Uh, yeah, but the proximity can... stat is only based on shots. Well, I, and... I, I could be wrong, I guess, um, but um, I always thought that the proximity stat was proximity from shots taken from the fairway. Uh, rough proximity or fair proximity from the rough uh, would be the other one. Well, there is a fairway proximity and there is a rough proximity, yeah, so I assume I, that proximity is the meaning. Just both in general? Okay. Yeah, I, I, think I, so. I don't usually go on the PGA stats page anymore. I, I, I have... I have them all right here, and I, I guess I didn't say the fairway proximity. So just scratch what I just said then. Yeah, I think the proximity stat of itself is a combination of the two. Um, and then you've got the separate ones if you want to look for that. But somewhat hard to hit fairways here. Uh, making par is going to be a big score, a good score on some of these holes. You'll usually see the winner you know, in the uh, teens under par kind of range. You're not going to see 20, 25 under par this week. And I was looking up uh, some stuff from Aaron Hills, which is the site of the U.S. Open in Wisconsin next week, and they played an amateur championship there 
a few years ago, and the winning score for that was plus five. The cut line was plus 17, and the lowest score of the people who made the cut was plus 50. Uh, or excuse me, the highest score, I guess, of the people who made the cut was plus 50. So uh, obviously that was an amateur event, but you know that Aaron Hills can be set up pretty difficult. Going to be quite the challenge for these guys next week. And uh, so nice to have a little bit of a, a tough challenge this week before we get uh, get there. As far as uh, the field goes, they, they did have the U.S. Open sectional qualifying on Monday uh, just a couple of days ago. And a, a lot of guys that were originally committed to this field for the St. Jude Classic have withdrawn as a result of qualifying for the U.S. Open. Uh, Steve Stricker, a big name. Jamie Lovemark, a fairly big name. You've also had Patty Harrington withdraw this week for other reasons. Keegan Bradley has withdrawn this week and uh, Kelly Kraft as well. So five names that uh, if you had some early lineups, especially with guys like Lovemark and Stricker, uh, make sure you get those changed. They have withdrawn from the tournament. And, you know, we, we might see something like this. Uh, I remember the last time before the Masters, it was a tournament where almost all the high-end chalky guys missed the cut. So obviously not saying that's going to happen again. But you might see a withdrawal or two here. Uh, Dustin Johnson a few years ago. Gib, is this the course where he withdrew because of his allergies? Or no, that was, or was something... who did the allergies. Okay, what was Dustin's excuse? Uh, I don't know, but I, I, yeah, that was that's just that's he just was a... he was like three over through eight holes, and he just said that's uh, enough of that. Yeah, that's that's sort of bringing up rough memories for me. That I have, I was all in on Dustin Johnson for that tournament, and uh, yeah, that failed Let's miserably. See, I just found the article: nine holes in the first round. Uh, he cited illness as his reason. So yeah. Yeah, no, nah, it was Bubba, I think, at the Cadillac. No, Bay Hill. I'm pretty sure it was Bay. Or, yeah, I think it was Bay Hill. His allergies kicked up in the first uh, round, and that's when he withdrew. This was before the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay a couple of years ago. Uh, wasn't feeling well, so he withdrew. So sometimes that risk is a little bit heightened in weeks like this, but obviously we don't have a, a huge field here, so you can't just fade all the big names unless uh, you think a, a total uh, – you know, cheap player is going to win the tournament or something like that. Just difficult to uh, to fade all the big names. Just keep that in mind that there is some potential risk there. Uh, didn't, Debo, didn't he pull that same trick last year? Like who, Dustin? Yeah, punt in the first nine holes, claim illness, fly straight to the U.S. Open in Washington, right? It was that one that everybody hated, or was that two years ago? That was two and he finished second. Where, yeah, where he three putted at the end to lose. Didn't didn't he get sick like the tournament the week before? I seem to be remembering. That was that. the one we were talking about. It was yeah. before the Chambers Bay. Yeah, yeah, and so everybody faded him from Chambers Bay. And yeah, took second. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these guys, a lot of them, obviously, will prioritize the U.S. Open over this course, uh, over this event. But uh, we've still got some strong names at the top. Debo, you got anything as far as uh, weather goes? Uh, there's a slight edge to 30 Thursday afternoon. Only if you look at Windfinder, uh, it looks pretty negligible to me. I don't see it really being an issue. Yeah, same here. I don't see too much right now either. Uh, Gib, you got anything else on the course uh, setup or any other miscellaneous ramblings before we get going? Um, don't they usually set this course up to be more U.S. Open style, like longer, rough, narrower fairways? I mean, know. it's not going to be it's not going to be the same type of test, but no, yeah. no. But you know, it's just that it is tough, and so you know, I sort of might look at 
people who play U.S. Opens pretty well, uh, just as a sort of in the back, you know, as a tiebreaker. So you're not going to have a ton of guys in the field that have played a lot of U.S. Opens because the field gets so thin uh, when we get, uh, especially when we get below 9K there on DraftKings. But uh, it could be interesting to look at for some of the top end options. Uh, of course, Phil Mickelson has announced that barring an unforeseen event or a weather or something like that, uh, he probably won't be playing in the U.S. Open next week because of his daughter's graduation. Uh, Gib alluded to it a little bit ago, but uh, that is for next week. Um, where I will be on vacation next week. So you'll have a nice a special guest hosting with the gang. And uh, Gibbs got a vacation coming up, so we'll bring some more guests along. Uh, Tour Junkies guys might join us from time to time over the uh, next month or so. So we'll have some different faces on the show, not just the usual three same suspects. But uh, next week, you'll get a, a new host and uh, get ready for the U.S. Open there at Aaron Hills. And uh, as we get going into the field for this week, I mentioned there are some bigger names at the top, and then it drops off considerably. DraftKings with the $500 pricing increments with these top-end players. Ricky Fowler at 12K, Brooks Kepka at 11.5K, Adam Scott at 11K, and Francesco Molinari at 10.5K. So uh, which $500 increment do you prefer, Mr. Pollard? I would probably, um, out of the four of those guys, Probably looking more towards Brooks. Uh, he's, I, I think he's had a third and a second here so in the last two years. So that automatically means he's going to win, right? Right. <laughs> but, uh, and a fifth? Uh, Does he have a fifth? How about the fifth? No, no, he, he doesn't have a fifth. So uh, unfortunately, it's not that strong. But, uh, but no, um, I, 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 like, I, I sort of like starting at Phil. Uh, personally, but if I have to pick one of the top four, uh, Brooks would be the person. Um, I don't know how Ricky, how invested Ricky's going to be. You know, he had the the near win last week, and you know, I'm sure his mind is might be wandering to Aaron Hills. So, you know, it might be one of those phone it in sort of weeks for Ricky. So, uh, and Adam Scott, he seems to do much better uh, so far in this new sort of schedule he has, where he plays the week before the major. He's or or a big event. Um, uh, was it the the players and the masters? He's top ten those, but the week before that, he has not done as good. So uh, for his pricing, I don't I don't think he's going to miss the cut unless he just wants to get out of there and sort of leaves. But I have a feeling he might be working on his game for the U.S. Open. So at that price, I'll probably you know look towards Francesco Brooks or or Phil Mickelson. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the, these guys are so far ahead of the pack once you get down below that everyone, the balanced approach of 8K guys really doesn't seem to be in the bag this week uh, because, you know, there's just not a lot of options in there and the field drops off so considerably. So it seems like a lot of people are going to be taking one of these top end guys. Uh, Debo, do you have a, a strategy for how we approach that? I know we like to talk ownership here. I mean, is there any one of these top guys that's going to be a little bit overlooked at all? I just, I think a lot of people are going to be trying to spend up on these guys. Yeah, I think Molinari is going to be the most overlooked of the guys. But if you're telling me that people are looking Brooks and Scott, then I think that Ricky Fowler is the optimal play. He's 8-1 to one to win, according to Vegas. Brooks is next closest at 12 and it drops off pretty significantly after that. So the value that you're getting in odds to win 
just paying up a few extra bucks for Ricky Fowler, which you can easily make up on the back end with so much value in the six to seven K range. If Ricky's going to be less than 30% owned, then I'm pretty thrilled about starting my lineups there. If he's going to be more and even closer to 40, you know, if he's going to be more than 40, then I'm definitely like easy, easy fade there. But uh, he's just such a strong favorite for a fair price, you know, and I'm not giving up too much opportunity cost because that middle 8K range is just kind of like, meh, I can take it or leave it. So, uh, yeah, if you're telling me Ricky's going to be not so popular, uh, then that's where I'm going. Let's fire up the old ownership uh, game and see if we've got projections up yet. And uh, I will say that uh, Fowler is projected as the lowest of the top seven, eight, eight players. He's projected to be the lowest owned right now. That can't be right. I would, I would take a lot of money on that. <laughs> well, all right. But massive chalk, he's probably not going to be. Cool. Yeah. You give me Ricky Fowler. I think stats wise, I think Molinari is interesting here. He plays from the fairway. He's been playing very well this year. He's going to hit greens. Uh, if it's going to be a challenging setup, I certainly don't mind him at all. He's coming off a second at the BMW a couple weeks ago. So he's in pretty good form. I like Molinari a good bit um, with you guys kind of on what you mentioned about Fowler, uh, Phil Mickelson, we actually have projected as the highest owned. I think the narrative of, He's not going to be worried about next week because he's not playing in the U.S. Open. I think that's going to run rampant this week. Uh, he hasn't missed a cut all year. He likes playing here, so I do agree. I think Phil is going to be pretty chalky. Uh, we didn't really get down to that range, but uh, Gib, you got thoughts on Phil? Uh, I, I like him I, as an option um, for cash games. It's a great start at 10-2. You're not really um, – you're not really giving up much and you can probably squeeze another guy ahead of him or above him in price, maybe like a Molinari and still have some options down, you know, seven, seven K range. So yeah, I, I don't mind feeling on all formats. Just have to differentiate your lineup somewhere else. Yeah. He's going to be a popular play, you know, 10 to is a high price, but again, what's the opportunity cost? And you look, Phil's been Phil was seventy seven hundred last week and was pretty popular. Uh, played pretty well. I mean, nothing great. A steady round, 70, 70, 72, 73, 20 second place finish a week ago. And uh, again, everyone's just going to buy into that narrative that he's not playing next week. And uh, it's all systems go for Phil here this week, just focusing on. This is to... Phil Mickelson's time to be a runner up. He it's easy there. <laughs> Six for the U.S. Open, so you know he likes to have a second place finish at this time of year. The zinger there from Gibb, uh, yeah. So Phil, okay, if he comes in second, hey, you'll take that for sure. Yeah, money for that price, yeah. And the uh, drop off starts. Uh, we've got Henley at ninety eight hundred. We've got Horschel at ninety five hundred. Daniel Berger, who's the defending champion at ninety three hundred. Kind of surprised that he wasn't a little bit higher than that, but uh, that's the next tier. Ryan Palmer rounds out the 9K range. Uh, Debo, you got any thoughts on these guys and uh, maybe anything on Mickelson that uh, you didn't mention? Yeah, I'm going to pass on Mickelson just because Molinari's game's been so much stronger than him, uh, you know, both T to green on the approach this season. Uh, Molinari's form is stronger than Mickelson. Mickelson does have some course history going for him but I'm not sure how that is reliable, how reliable that is in a four-year sample size. 
Uh, his stats were certainly much better last year, and they've kind of trended downward this year. Um, I like Henley a lot at 9.8K. I think that most people are going to kind of ignore most of the 9K range with the exception of Berger, um, whom I like also. Yeah, Berger's a guy that, I mean, I think at that price, it's really interesting. And his recent form hasn't been great. Um, 65th at the Players, 36th at the Wells Fargo, 27th at the Masters. Really nothing to write home about since uh, fifth place finish at the Shell in, in March. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll have some people off of him, but he's always uh, preferred Bermuda greens. We have Bermuda greens this week. Uh, it's just a question of how he deals with the pressure of being the defending champion of this event. It will be interesting to see uh, how he does this week, but uh, at that price tag feels like a relative discount and, and that will, you know, give him some ownership, but uh, uh, Horschel at 95 is a tough sell. Although he says he loves this event, even though he is qualified for the U S open, he seems to, uh, to enjoy playing here. Uh, Henley at 98, maybe kind of falls into a no man's land in terms of, you know, are people really going to want to pay 9.8 K for Russell Henley? I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, Gib, your thoughts on this uh, price range. Well, when Henley Henley's only been priced uh, above nine five, um, or nine five or above twice in 2017, at the Career Builder he was five percent owned uh, at 9500, and at the Heritage uh, after his, you know, he he won the Shell, right? Yeah, so he won the Shell, went to the Masters, and then for the Heritage he was ten uh, seven. He was owned 13 percent. Henley's coming off a miscut where he was owned 25 percent in uh, GPPs and over 50% in cash games. So, you know, he burned a lot of people. So I can see his percentage potentially dropping below 10% just, just based on, on the, the two tournaments where he's been priced really high. People haven't really liked to pick Russell Henley. So I, I have a feeling he's going to be low owned and I don't mind him as a play. Yeah, it's tough to it is tough to click that button at ninety eight hundred. I mean, I mm -hmm. I could say that myself. It's just uh, he's kind of volatile. Do I really want to pay that price now? I can easily go up to Phil. I can easily go down to Burger. Uh, just it's tough to to pay ninety eight hundred for Henley. Um, and you know his upside obviously is uh, is there. We've seen him with solid finishes, but he burned a lot of people at the Byron Nelson a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think that'll be fresh in a lot of people's minds as well. Um, so when you combine that with the price, I do agree. I think it could be pretty low owned and, and uh, you know, this is kind of where it falls off. You got any thoughts on any of those other guys? I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, Kevin Chappell is one that I'm sort of intrigued on. He ranked 26 in the world. So he's only three spots uh, behind Phil in terms of the world rankings. Uh, he came off a win a couple of uh, weeks ago. So, you know, I, I, I don't mind his game. He's, he's a very solid, um, Peter Green player. And so his form is good. So I don't see why, why to get off him. He's, he's, here's the five stat. Uh, he's uh, ranked fifth in my model. All right. Well, then there you go. That's a no brainer then. Uh, he's kind of been up and down lately as well. He had the win at the Valero a couple of, if he finishes since then, but still been making cuts. Cabrera Bayo at 8.6K burned a lot of people last week. You've got the ever uh, inconsistent Ryan, Ryan Palmer at 9K. And uh, the drop-off really just uh, starts, starts sliding downward. When I saw Kyle Stanley at 8.4K, I know he's got good odds, but uh, I was just, wow, I couldn't fathom Kyle Stanley at 8.4K, especially, you know, his fourth cut and sixth the last three events. So he's kind of been all over the place. 
or fourth cut in six of the last three events. Um, you know, it's just 8,400 for Stanley. He's significantly cheaper over on FanDuel. I mean, you got Brian Gay at 8,200. Sung, you'll know at 8,100. It's just a no man's land in here. Like that, this is why nobody's going to take the balanced approach. Nobody wants to build a lineup with all of these guys this week. I mean, Devo, you'll be able to get some low ownership in here. Anybody tickling your fancy there? I mean, Kyle Stanley, he's a great, great buy, uh, not just on the odds that you mentioned, but this season, the seventh stroke gained approach, fifth stroke gained tee to green, ninth in par four scoring, third in proximity, and third in total driving. He's the full package for this course. Coming off of a six, he just had that one missed cut, but his form has been pretty good for a long time. Of course, history folk are going to be off of him, but he's been a different golfer this year. So I'm thrilled if you're telling me he's going to be low on because I'll, you know, start my lineups Fowler and Stanley. I think he will be relatively low owned on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he's mega cheap. He'll be pretty popular over there. Uh, DraftKings, you'll be able to get him pretty low. I, I mean, at least I think so. Gib, you, you, what do you think about Stanley being, is he going to be popular on DraftKings? Uh, I don't think he will, uh, but I agree with what Devo said. I, I like him at that price. It's funny is uh, he's been priced 7-4 uh, four times this year and 6-8 uh, three times this year. So uh, for the last two tournaments that he's played, he's been priced 7-4. So DraftKings probably like, oh, what do we do with him? Oh, we'll just bump him up 1,000 than what we've done recently. So he, he gets a $1,000 bump, and I, I don't think people are going to follow him up that high. So... It's not like this field is great. So, you know, if he can, if he's in contention at the players, then there's no reason why he can't be in contention uh, at the St. Jude Classic. Fair point. I've got no rebuttal to that. I, but, oh, man, it's just, it's strange with the price. To, and, the, and the price difference between the sites. It, mm-hmm. If you're playing GPPs on FanDuel, I mean, I think the fate is the play simply because he's going to be so popular over there that it just, you know, based on your the odds that you're getting by fading him, I think it just makes it worth it. I can't remember what he is, 6,800 or something on FanDuel. Uh, just to me, it just tells me that I, I don't want to play him. I'll do look you, somewhere else. Do you think because he is uh, so – his price is lower on the other sites that people will – you know, say you make a, a FanDuel or a fa- uh, uh, FanDuel or a fantasy draft lineup first – and then you bring it back over to DraftKings and you're like, well, I picked Kyle Stanley in these two sites, so I might as well pick it in this one. Do you think there might be any sort of effect with that? Well, it's possible, but I think people start – if people are playing multiple sites, I mm-hmm. think the majority of them do their DraftKings teams first. Okay. I, I don't know. That's just my thought. I don't think there's enough to be gained from that really. So, to low, where it's gonna maybe be. potential lower ownership on Fantasy Draft then. I mean, is he cheap over there as well? I forget what he was over there. I think he's on the cheaper side, yeah. I think he, I think so. I mean, I suppose. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, the pricing difference on him is just so much that uh, it's, it's just it's the first thing that stood out to me this week. Obviously, on the numbers and, and on his odds, which are what, Devo, do you have his odds in front of you? Who are we talking about? Stanley, still. 30 to 1. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic odds for a guy that's been 6, 7K for much of the year. So, it just to take people's biases and use them against them because it's a, it's a nice value price tag on, on Mr. 15, Dan. seven on fantasy draft. So it's not that um... still barely, I mean, FanDuel, you take advantage of the value price tag period. Mm-hmm. If you're, especially if you're playing cash games, 
uh, tournaments. I- I'm probably playing the fade. You know, maybe you play don't play them in your FanDuel tournaments and play them on your DraftKings tournaments. Play the opposite game. There's just there's a lot of different ways, and I think Kyle Stanley will swing a lot of people's lineups this week as far as whether or not they're going to play him or they're going to fade him or what basically what they decide to do with Kyle Stanley, I think is an interesting discussion. But with the eight of eight for FanDuel, I'd, 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 I'd probably take him in on FanDuel, just even if he's going to be popular because you need the eight, to eight, eight out of eight to sort of cash. So you sort of want those more of, more of those uh, potential, I'm not going to call him a free square, uh, but you know, he's, if his price is that low and you think he's going to make the cut, then I, I have no qualms with putting him in there for, at that price. I did one FanDuel team last week, one. And I got eight out of eight guys through the cut. It was miraculous. And mm-hmm. I did not cash in the GPP with that team with eight out of eight through the cut. I didn't. I don't think anybody in the eight finished in the top ten. So it was uh, – and it was, you know, there were seven out of eight and six out of eight teams that – that beat me. I thought I was golden with the eight out of eight. I was kind of teetering around the lowest uh, cash points for much of the weekend and fell a little bit short. So eight out of eight, I was ecstatic. Uh, didn't work out for me though. So uh, four one out for, for that, but uh, all right, moving on from Kyle Stanley, Gib, do you have anybody like in the eight K's besides Kyle Stanley? Uh, let me switch back over to DraftKings from fancy draft for a second. Yadi. Okay, here we go. 8Ks. I don't mind uh, Cabrera Bello. Uh, he, he has burnt a lot of people on the on the uh, regular PGA Tour um, contest. So this is, a I feel like, a, um, a sort of tournament where first-time winners can happen. And granted, you know, Bello has, I think he's won on the European Tour, but, you know, he hasn't won over here yet. So I'm not, you know, calling him to win, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished really high uh, just because of the field is so weak. So he is a quality player. So I, I don't hate the play. And if he's going to be low owned, then, I you know, I, I like him even more. He rebounded from a tough first round last week and did shoot one under in the second round. He still missed the cut by multiple strokes. Uh, but a first round 79 will put you behind the eight ball enough to where you're, it's tough to recover from that. So um, was an encouraging second round for him at the Memorial last week. I wish the price tag was a little bit cheaper, but uh, you do make a good point about him possibly doing well in a weaker field. Uh, you get down right to 8K, Stuart Sink, another guy that might feel a little bit overpriced, but a guy who will play from the fairway, good on the approach, having a fine season, I believe eight top, 30 finishes in his last 10 starts. I put him in my video this week. So another guy that it might be kind of uncomfortable to pay that price tag for him, but seems like a steady hand at 8K this week. Uh, Devo, you got anybody else in the uh, 8K range other than the guys we've mentioned? Or Nope, but I do agree with you on Stuart Sink. Uh, he should be pretty low owned, but he's got nice stats in form. And uh, he's kind of the approach accurate guy that I'm looking for on this course. All right, Gabe, what do we do with your buddy, Charles Schwartzel, who has said that he is committed to this event, just uh, looking to find some form ahead of the U.S. Open. Um, what do you make on a guy like that? Is he more motivated than some other people? Is he going to be working on some things? Is he you know, going all out more so than some other guys? He literally put that in a tweet. He's trying to work some form out before the U.S. Open. The withdrawal scares me. Uh, risk, wasn't it? 
Yeah, but he's played since then. Yeah, he played uh, last week, came 35th. You know, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really, he hasn't been in my right, radar this week so far. So uh, I've been burnt by Schwartzel before, uh, as I think most people have hmm. if you played long enough. So I don't have a read on him just yet. Um, but there's there's players around here. If You know, I like... Uh, Chapel, Bello, and Stanley better. So if I'm going one of those or two of those or three or three of those, then I won't be fitting Schwartzel on my team. So um, I'm just probably going to uh, glance over the top of him and, and go further down. I mean, in the weaker field, it does give me some pause and say, hey, maybe I want to target him. But if the wrist acts up a little bit, maybe he just says, hey, I'm out of here. Uh, some risk there for sure, but there is some potential upside. With yeah, if, if he tweaks it and thinks, well, you know, I don't want to jeopardize next week, so I'm just going to take the rest of the tournament off, rest, and come come strong for for the U.S. Open, then you're SOL. I think I saw something. Uh, well, I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Devo, let's go through some of your plays here in the uh, top end of the seven Ks. Steve Stricker. And he's gone. Uh, yeah, I don't have anybody until the 7.6K. All right, go for it. Um, Chad Campbell. He's got really good course history here over many, many years. He's uh, not really popular ever in his stats work for this course. Uh, his form is, you know, kind of so-so. And I think that Ian Poulter is going to be much more popular than Chad Campbell. Um I think he might end up being a trap, though. Uh, what do you guys think about Ian Poulter? Did I read correctly? This is the guy I was going to talk about. So did I read correctly that he skipped out on the U.S. Open qualifying intentionally? Did, Ian Poulter? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I haven't been able to, to uh, brush up on my Ian Poulter news. Um, I'm usually there every week. No, he had too much. <laughs> Ian Poulter has withdrawn from Monday's U.S. Open sectional qualifier in Memphis and will instead hope that a high finish at the FedEx St. Jude Classic can propel him into the field next week. He announced the decision in a video blog citing a busy schedule of late that included six starts in seven weeks. I felt that it might just be a little bit too much golf. He said a 36-hole qualifier on Monday could be a little bit much leading in, but so he must be on the fringe of the top 60 in the official world golf rankings because that's the last remaining way to qualify the people who are in the top 60 of the official world golf rankings that weren't there. Like, He's 83rd in the world. So he'd have to do really, really, really well to move up into the top 60. Anyway, the, they, Anybody who was in the top 60 a couple weeks ago is in, and then anyone who was in the top 60 after this week. So a few guys might, you know, move up, but I figured Poulter would be closer than that. Yeah, he's 83rd right now. Well, I don't know what Ian Poulter did or why he did it, but he just didn't want to play too much golf. I guess nobody ever knows what Ian Poulter's up to. Uh, But the guys that are, like, right on the borderline, like 61st, 62nd, 63rd, 64th, that aren't otherwise in the U.S. Open, might be somewhat interesting, uh, but a lot of those guys are in already. Uh, that would take some digging, but uh, you know, it, if you want to try to marry that up to see who might be the most motivated this week, have at it. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. But anyway, Poulter did not play in the qualifying on Monday. 
he's tired too much golf uh, any particular reason, Debo, that you think he might be a trap? Or, Well, yeah. I mean, if he's going gangbusters to move up 25 spots, then he's either going to miss the cut in glorious fashion or he's going to finish very highly or very lowly. Uh, but I think his range of outcomes is skewed more towards blowing up rather than being very successful. And I think that this narrative is going to make him – uh, very popular in this price range uh, combined with his odds and stats. So I just think that his ownership is going to be too high considering what you know, the range of outcomes is for Poulter. And his odds are what, 65-ish, 70-ish? Like 45. Oh, wow. He's moved down a little bit uh, since they opened then. Um, that might just be a popularity thing. People see you know Poulter in, in a weak field and figure he's all right. I would gladly probably pivot to other options if he's going to be mega chalk. We have him projected at 19% ownership right now. So, uh, and really not a lot of guys in this range uh, outside of, you know, maybe Schwartzel, maybe Graham McDowell that, that a lot of people are uh, tend to be drawn to in here. Uh, Gib, you got thoughts on uh, some of these other mid seven K guys? Uh, just that I like uh, Graham McDowell more than I like Ian Poulter. And so, you know, as a golfer or a person? Uh, yeah, most like. Well, no, actually, probably on all fronts. Um, <laughs> but no, um, you know, as I said earlier, if you if you're looking for a tiebreaker, those who can play the U.S. Open pretty well, well, Graham McDowell's won a U.S. Open before, so um, he's been playing really good. He's, um, you know, he's in the top 30 in accuracy, top 30 in strokes game putting. He's been a cup maker um, so far this season. I don't mind. It seems like he's uh, sort of beating out that inconsistency form that he's it's plagued him for the last couple of years. So, you know, I look back at his course history and, you know, the last two times he's played here, he's missed the cup, but he hasn't been the same player that he has this year. So he's got some pretty, uh, I think he's uh, two made cuts here or a top 25 finishes, including a top 10. So he has the ability to play well on this course. So, uh, you know, if I have to choose between Ian Poulter and Graham McDowell, I'm, I'm going Graham McDowell uh, any day of the week. All right. Uh, I think, yeah, they, we've got similar ownership projections on both of those guys. Uh, I think McDowell, you know, does kind of profile as my preferred play of the bunch. Uh, other 7K guys, I agree with what Debo said on Chad Campbell. I think he is interesting. And the fact that his price tag is, where it is, I mean, is a nod to his ability and the fact that, you know, he, he can certainly play well here um, as opposed to his current year results, which have been very much hit or miss. Uh, you get into the low 7K names. There are some kind of bomber angles, uh, bombers down here. Guys like Kevin Tway, Harold Varner are, are, are known as bombers, and this isn't necessarily a bomber's course. Uh, and Tway has in particular been pretty popular over the last couple months. Didn't play very well last week and missed the cut. Uh, some other names in the low 7K range. You got Russell Knox. You've got William McGirt. Uh, let's see. Danny Lee at 7.2. Peter Uline at 7.2. So we've still got some decent names down here, just uh, not a ton of them. A lot of uh, fodder to wade through there. Debo, you got uh, any other kind of low to mid 7K guys? Yeah, there's a few guys I'm interested in here. Uh, Sung Kang, 7.4K. Nice form, decent stats for the course. Uh, has kind of seen some popularity lately, but 
I think that people might trend down to some of those other names that you mentioned that aren't Sung King. Um, I agree with you on Harold Barner being an interesting option. He's got nice course history and he hasn't been popular at all since the Puerto Rico Open. Uh, I like Peter Uline a lot at 7.2K. People are definitely starting to become aware of this dude, but he's still really good, still too cheap, and he's still going under out. And lastly, I really like Danny Lee a lot at 7.2K. Uh, good value in all fronts. And I think being lumped in this pile might keep his ownership low enough that we still like playing him. You know, I think uh, if you want to take the Olo approach this week, uh, old man Jim Furyk at 7,100 has missed five consecutive cuts. Um, but, you know, longer courses, uh, there's been a few longer courses in there that really don't suit his game. He was not good last week. I think this could be the place where he potentially gets back on track with a decent finish. Uh, he's the, the form is not good at all. So uh, you're, you're kind of on a flyer there, but he does rank fifth in, uh, in accuracy this year. So he's still got the driving accuracy down. Short game really hasn't been what uh, we would normally expect from him. Uh, but, hey, there's a lot of bad golfers in this field, and if there's a field where he should make a cut, uh, this would be it. Otherwise, I agree with the names uh, kind of that Debo mentioned there. Uline, I think, is a really good option. Too cheap there at 7.2K. Uh, same with Danny Lee. Seems pretty affordable with that price tag, especially when you consider kind of all these other options in here. Uh, Gib, you got any other kind of low 7K guys? Um, no, I Peter Uline, uh, Sung Kang, and Harold Varner were the three that I was going to mention. So, me thunder has been stolen. Unfortunately, I can't roster my boy Keegan Bradley because he pulled out. Did he have to qualify for the U.S. Open? Did he qualify on Monday as well? I he think he did. Yeah, he qualify. did in Columbus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he is withdrawn after uh, shooting an 81 to miss the cut in the second round last week. He pulled a Keegan last week, uh, was comfortably inside the cut line, and then blew up on Friday. No interest in McGirt. Any anybody got a take on Dirt McGirt? Um, not necessarily. Um, I wasn't quite sure if he was. He's because he's in the field tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm um, not tomorrow. Uh, next week. So. I don't know. I, I didn't like him the week before the uh, football. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a read on, on Dirt McGirt this week, so I'm just going to let him be for the time being. I've been hearing a lot of Xander talk, and I'm just curious on why. What? Well, yeah, why is the question? I don't know. Yeah, it just seems I like on Twitter I've, I've seen Xander's name popped up a little bit, so I, I just don't know why. Uh, Let's see. He was in a playoff on one of the U.S. Open qualifiers. I'm trying to find the results of that one. Maybe quick. that's the reason. Uh, Xander Shoffley and Jonathan Randolph advanced in a playoff. So, so they're in. So they've made it into the U.S. Open too. Correct. Okay. That yeah. would worry me. That worries me a bit. Yeah. Uh, with the you know lower end players like that figuring, Hey, they might uh, withdraw at the drop of a hat. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, perhaps that's what's generating some of that buzz in terms of uh, picking Xander as a and Jonathan Randolph's also in the field too. Yeah, he is. And you know, with these guys kind of lower end guys, like in all this sectional qualifying, there's going to be so many 
names next week at the U.S. Open. And DraftKings, by the way, has released their U.S. Open pricing, and it includes all the guys who won the qualifiers. So uh, you can get a nice, easy, quick look at who has already qualified into the U.S. Open uh, because DraftKings has already released the pricing, and it has everybody that's qualified for the field. So pull up the Millie Maker or something for next week, scroll through there, and you can see who's got a spot in the U.S. Open field. Really easy as compared to trying to wade through the uh, – you know, the qualifying results and the criteria for who made it just to peek at the pricing. And you can see, I think they've got everybody correct that has already qualified. So that could be a nice, handy, easy way uh, to do that. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to see who people try to target for scrubs next week at a course, you know, the FanDuel format that the FanDuel format that really punishes you for bogeys. Like there's going to be some scores next week on FanDuel that look pretty ugly, might not, be a huge problem if you've only got you know six out of eight as opposed to seven or whatever but so like DraftKings and uh the the um the olympic was it the olympic club in san francisco i think it was the 2012 um u.s open was just a bloodbath of just ones and twos basically each round so because their their negatives were even more so you know we're talking about what site Draw straight back okay. in 2012 US Open. You, I think you and I actually had a conversation on whether we want to leave like a free space, uh, maybe an invalid line, like a, a person who's already withdrawn. I think there was one person who withdrew. It might have been Tiger. And we were debating whether or not it'd be uh, better to roster Tiger as opposed to take a negative, potentially taking a negative on someone. So it, it was uh, more of a fun conversation we had. Yeah. Well, we had that conversation earlier this year too. About, I forget, I forget which tournament that was, but uh, where the weather was going to be a potential issue. Anybody else uh, for either of you in the seven K realm? Um, not really. Uh, you know, I I sort of chuckled when you mentioned Furyk missing his fifth cut in a row. That makes my two thousand fourteen U.S. Open team uh, now: Brendan Todd, Brendan DeYoung, and Jim Furyk. Uh, so. Those are three names that are slowly fading away, it seems like. But That team has gone by the wayside. Yes, yes. That would be a, a good GPP team right now. Low-owned. <laughs> good low-ball team. Like I want to say Hudson Swafford for this tournament, but uh, it's just so hard to pull the trigger. He's just – he's fallen off since he's uh, – you know, I thought he was going to make a comeback because he had two top tens in a row, you know, but it seems like now he's got three miscuts coming into it, so I – I don't have much faith in my good mate Hudson Swafford, so I can't can't play him. But you know, there's there's a whole bunch of names here in the lower seven Ks that I just not interested in. So I'll be passing on most of them. All right. Yeah, there's not a whole lot else in here. Um let's see. Swa I mean Swafford though in this field should be I mean, he should be fine. You'd think he'd be able to make the cut, I hope. But you never know. He's missed, what, two or three in a row himself. I haven't pulled up his Yeah, the last four out. He's missed the cut four out of the last five. He won that tournament, and now he's just free sailing for the rest of the year. He's going to be the next Brendan Todd. Though I will say, <laughs> the last time he played in a tournament with a strength of field this low, it was a career builder, and he won it. So... Food for thought. He's going to have a resurgence. All right, let's move into the 6Ks. Uh, it, gets, it gets pretty hairy down here. There's a ton of 6K golfers, 
but a lot of them aren't very good. Uh, it, relatively speaking, they're much better than me and you and most of us listening to this show. But uh, in terms of PGA uh, tour golf, you've got a lot of lower end names here. Uh, Devo, you got any 6k guys? Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Lovemark. <laughs> um, yeah. I liked him a lot. He withdrew. Don't play Jamie. Uh, I've got three guys in the 6K range that I'm pretty interested in. Um, mostly Luke List at 6.6K. You know, he's a guy that's uh, been relatively popular at times throughout the year, and now he's gone by uh, by standards of value. He's gone from 25% to 15 10%, 5% owned. Uh, because he's burned so many people three straight missed cuts so he's got the uh, furic narrative going for him as well that he's missed a bunch of cuts in a row and nobody wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole uh, but he's certainly much more of a bomber off the tee than uh, than furic is any specific reason you like him here or um just the way he grades out in my model he's a uh, pretty well balanced stats wise uh you know average or better strokes gain approach par four he's 26 still tee to green um, granted his recent form isn't very strong, but his form was really strong, you know, for the several weeks before that. So, um, either it's variance or, you know, his swing has just fallen apart in the last two months, which I guess is possible, but I mean, I assume these guys being professionals and the best in the world, this is more variance for the short term. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so many options down here that I'm not even really sure if I, need to go all the way down to the 6.6k range um two other guys i'm interested in is uh three, three guys actually uh da points uh boo weekly and chris stroud uh, all just kind of fit in the mold of uh being real strong strokes gained approach uh decent combination of vegas odds and price tag so i saw somebody i forget who it was um I should have favorited this tweet or I, I'd give them some credit here, but it was uh, uh, strokes gained on Bermuda versus strokes gained on all other putting surfaces. Uh, and, you know, to, to show the improvement on Bermuda greens and boo weekly had one of the largest differences because mm. he was like minus 2.5 strokes on other surfaces, but only minus 1.2 or 1.3 strokes on Bermuda. So He's not a great putter and never has been, but a really solid ball striker approach game. And he's not as horrendous with the putter generally on Bermuda as he is on other surfaces. So I do agree. I think Boot Weekly is a really interesting flyer this week at 6.5K, a guy who's going to be 3 4 5% owned. I really blew up a couple weeks ago. And, you know, that sometimes that'll happen with him. But in this well, field, I think – go ahead. With the smaller greens – how much how much do smaller greens take the putter out of his hand because if he's not hitting the greens then he's chipping and then how much yeah so i when it when it comes to smaller greens i sort of shy away from the putting um more than i would because let's face it if you're hitting the greens in regulation you're going to be a bit closer than you would normally if on bigger greens so always the rule of thumb for me, smaller greens the less focus on putting I don't know if you guys would agree with that one, but I was just curious. I think so. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. I never usually weight putting very high anyway, but obviously with terrible putters like Boo Weekly or Lucas Clover or something, it certainly Graham doesn't Lott. hurt. 
Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't hurt if the greens are smaller, you know, guys. And scrambling does sometimes tend to correlate well here. Uh, and, you know, if you're scrambling from off the green and not putting it from 40 feet, and maybe some guys actually prefer that if, they're, if they've got a little bit of yips with the putter, um, like some of these guys do. Uh, Gib, other 6K guys from you? I'm just looking here, and I'm, I'm just curious on why DraftKings would have J.B. Holmes priced well under Stephen Bowditch. Nothing wrong with, like, you know. I mean, Stephen Burridge, he's a great guy and everything like that, but, you know, he's ranked really high in the world, and uh, J.B. Holmes is in the top 50. So I, I'm curious as to why they price him the same as Garrett Osborne as well. So, you know, no love for, for, for Mr. Holmes on, on that front from DraftKings. I'm, I'm sort of looking at Davis Love at 7K just while you guys were talking. Now, in this such- is Davis Love the fourth, correct? No, this is this is third. I think his son's name's Drew Love. Um, but yeah. this is this is the Davis Love the third. Okay. I I don't see any possible. I mean, is he the captain of the Presidents Cup? Yeah, that, his son is Davis Love the fourth. I thought so. I think he might have two then, because I read somewhere that Drew Love was trying yep. to take up somewhere. That's as correct. Well. He's got a Drew D R U. Oh, his son is. Davis the fourth, better known as Drew. Maybe he just didn't want to go by Davis the fourth. I was gonna say, if you had one son that was Davis Love the fourth and another one Drew, how would Drew feel? That you know he's not the fourth. So Love. Yeah. So um, you know, I it's such a weak field. So like you know, if he's gonna be low owned, he's he's got some course history here. So I I, I don't mind that play. Um, you know, get down here. If if JB Holmes is going to be low owned, then I might throw a shot at it. But he's not. Well, just he's not. He's not what? He's not going to be low owned. It, there's nobody else down here, so people just click on JB Holmes. It, it, you know, just, he stands out down here. I know JT he's not been Austin is another one who's been. Uh, you know, he was fairly popular, and then he missed the cut. And I think it was what two weeks ago that he was leading after missing the cut. And uh, all these owners that were on him when he missed the cut were somewhat annoyed because uh, he was leading the tournament and he's thinking, oh, if only this would happen last week, like myself. So um, I don't know why he's priced this low. I think he was in the 7K range in much stronger field events. So he's dropped down a little bit in price. I'm getting a gut feeling about Nick Watney. Uh, He's, I think, ranked uh, in the top 30 in strokes games approach. Uh, and he's always been, you know, a tee to green guy. So he, he's only uh, played this course once, came 53rd two years ago. He, he's been going on streaks of making the cut and then missing the cut um, or making a, a, a fair few cuts and then missing a few cuts in a row. I have a feeling he's on the upside. He had a sort of a, a streak of 14th and 10th place finishes, it seems like, early on in, in 2017. So... You know, at this price, I don't think he's going to be highly owned, so I, I don't mind that. Uh, and scrolling down, down, I, I just don't see much more. Um, I threw a shot once uh, at a, a player named Joel um, Dolman, da- Damon, Joel Damon. He came ninth at the uh, in his last event, uh, AT and T Byron Nelson. Uh, he's from Pacific Northwest. You know, he will be hard. Uh, almost not owned at all. So, you know, I might throw another shot in that. But other than that, I'm not feeling much of the under 7Ks. Yeah, not a lot of options down here for sure. It gets pretty thin. So we've hit on most all of them. 
uh, here throughout the show tonight. Uh, I don't think I have any other names posted. We mentioned, uh, let's see, Holmes, we talked about, uh, Debo talked about a few as well. So no, nobody else I really have in here. And that's going to wrap us up for tonight. Uh, again, keep it uh, tuned here next week for the U.S. Open show. Uh, at Aaron Hills up in Wisconsin. I will be out, but you will have uh, three faithful friends taking you through the show uh, one week from now. So that should be a fun one. Lots of big GPPs out there next week. For another week, we say goodbye to you. Thanks, as always, for tuning in and checking us out. And we will see you next Tuesday for the U.S. Open. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only.